All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. Joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. Might be half awake, might be half asleep, nobody knows. You never know what you're getting on a Tuesday <laughs> Night Live. <laughs> as always, oh, I shouldn't say as always, because uh, as of the past two weeks, it's oh, been yeah. just Andy solo. Uh, but uh, I'm here as your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and uh, I've been absent for the past past couple of weeks. Welcome uh, back. Yeah, it's been a two-week bender, just uh, nonstop traveling. But it's been good travel. It's not been like go sit in a conference room travel. It's been go sit at a lake or on a boat for, for two weeks travel, which is one of the perks of my job, so I can't complain. Although I will say the downside is our, our folks like the guests that we're having today, they, some of them bail on me. You know, we're going to razz our, our guests a little bit here today for that. But uh, we're also going to learn a lot from them because they call them the Dean for a reason over at Bass U. And uh, I'm sure anybody that is listening or watching this, uh, and if they don't, I highly encourage them to tunes into the Bass University, because if they listen to this, they are stewards or students, we, as we call them, of the game. And they should be students of the Bass University. Uh, we're going to be talking about... Uh, Fouling fish, you know, off beds and into the post spawn, uh, into that summer pattern. Uh, and I'm genuinely intrigued on how that all works because I think, Andy, we have a good understanding of it up here. Um, but our glacial lakes are very unique in that. And what also is unique is tidal fisheries. So I'm kind of curious how that all works and, and Pete's perspective on it. Um, you know, home waters being Chesapeake and being near the Potomac, which uh, was down on the or that went down on the Invitationals mm-hmm. this past week. Uh, them boys smoked him over there. Um, but, uh, dude, it's been two weeks since we've been on a show together. We're going to take a few minutes here to catch up. What, uh, what's the guiding been like? Has, how has Erie been put? Has she been putting out? Have you putting out some big bags? What's mm. been going on? It's been fun. Um, it is the post spawn, like it's pure post spawn right now. Just about all the fish are done spawning. There's still a few around, but I mean, Three of my last four days out, we've had 26-pound bags and 50 to 80 fish in the boat a day. <laughs> and um, I don't think we caught many under four pounds today. My hands hurt. I'm swollen. My body hurts. It's um, You're saying this like it's a bad thing. Like, you it, sound it finally, depressed. This we finally, so this, this is the fun part. Is like we finally, finally had wind. Like, Lake Erie has been a sheet of glass for, like, the last – five and a half weeks so i literally have gone just about every single day for the last five and a half weeks and it's finally blown a little bit and the other day we had like three to five footers and ever since then it's been just game on and then the weird thing was today we could only get them to eat when it was glass calm as soon as the wind blew they stopped biting and which makes no sense with smallmouth but i feel like once you're in like deep post spawn transitioning into summer pattern they're feeding there are no rules if you find them they will eat but if there's like too much current they kind of get a funk it was weird today when the wind blew i could literally watch them on my mega live start rising up off the bottom and come up like halfway in the water column and then after that they just wouldn't bite interesting yeah and i think why do you think that is I have something to do with current because it was an east wind, so I was blowing against the current, and I could see more bait fish rise up. And I just, I should have tried like a spy bait or a Dominky rig. I was just too hard pressed, and it was already one o'clock. So we tried to go find fish and catch them on big baits, and 
that failed. So tomorrow we're going back out deep and hopefully bite again. So did you rig on a Demiki or Spivate this time? I will in the morning, maybe. <laughs> it's been maybe. too much fun drop shotting. Like um, I think I've gone through like seven packs of hooks, like fourteen packs of baits in the last three days. It's been been fun. Yeah. Are you, are you able to dispose of what has been working? Berkeley Max scent flatworm. Like it's just every Shocker. color. <laughs> yeah, every color they're biting, but it all it's all based on like sunlight, wind. So throughout the day, we're changing colors to kind of stay ahead of them. And today, the hot color was goby and green pumpkin. I'm sure tomorrow will be like brown back and green pumpkin, watermelon, and gobiashi. It's it's good to have every color in the boat. There are a couple of colors I don't use, but just depends on what bottom structure we're targeting as well on the colors that they're biting. So I have six drop shot rods rigged up with like six stuff, six different colored flatworms at the moment. And they're pretty much all firing through the day. Hmm. Well, there's a good question for you in the comments. So while you, if you want to go answer that in the comments here, yeah. uh, let's bring on our guest for the day. Uh, Mr. Pete Glusick. What's going on, Pete? How are you guys? It's uh it's surreal to listen to you gripe about catching all a four pound smallmouth all day, Andy. Right? <laughs> this guy I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we prayed for a win so I could have a day off. And the hard part is, like, as our listeners know, I have like a nine week old at home, so I'm not getting much sleep as well. So I'm just like I'm ready for a day off. As as much as it sucks to say that, it's been a ton of fun. But yeah, I'm just I'm tired. My body hurts at this point. <laughs> that, that's so. That's it's like oh man, the wind hasn't blown. It's been thick as glass. Nothing but four pounders all day. My yeah, I'm running out of hooks. Oh man, this is rough. Rough gig you got there, brother. <laughs> yeah. I, I need you know some more owner cover shots in size two. If you so, if you can find any on the <laughs> internet, I would greatly appreciate it because I think I've bought every tackle store out and I'm like out of them. So yeah, it's great. <laughs> I think uh, what we'll do, Pete, is we'll clip him. You know, sounding depressed. He's like, oh, we had 26 pounds the past three days. Yeah. We'll put violin music over it. Some sad violin music. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be like, who freaking who, man? I'm sitting here Spoiled. working. You know, Spoiled. Pete's calling me, telling me he doesn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> so, like, it, it could be much worse. <laughs> yeah. you, you keep uh, up, and you're going to be getting some hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is, is this your uh, first child, Andy? No, it's my second. So I have two girls. I am surrounded by estrogen in my household. I got my wife and two daughters. And, yeah, it's it's interesting but fun. That's that's awesome. Well, well, happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. Was, I'm assuming you have kids as well, so happy Father's Day to you as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Me and my son, we we fished our second tournament ever uh, together. He's 13, and uh, we fished the Ike Foundation tournament together this year, and uh, we finished middle of the pack, but uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, that's absolutely. Awesome. Heck, it's got to be a cool deal though when they're starting to get into tournaments, especially with you. Hey, you know, I, I just, I love it. We're, you know, actually there's uh, a, a, Ike also runs a youth tournament circuit 
And uh, we're going to participate in that where, you know, I'm the captain and he fishes by himself. And, uh, you know, for a while there, I didn't know what he was going to, you know, if he was going to be into it. I, you know, of course, as fathers, we all hope and pray that our kids love it <laughs> as much as we do. And, you know, he's more into Apex Legends and uh, he wrestles and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, the, you know, what changed. Monumental change um, when I brought home some Whopper Ploppers one day and. And uh, he took the Whopper Ploppers and went over to the golf course ponds nearby where we live. And man, he he threw that thing till his arms fell off and and caught it caught a ton of fish. Uh, got addicted to the topwater bite and kind of kind of swung them a little bit. So I, I think I've got a little bass fisherman on my hands now. <laughs> that's awesome. Perfect. Well, that's super cool, and that's actually a great segue because you're this is your first time on serious angler and what every time we get somebody new on the show we like to throw it back to how you got involved in fishing in the first place who's to blame for this lifelong addiction you <laughs> told us how your kid got involved obviously because the dean's his dad but uh how did the dean get uh, so addicted to fishing when did it all start man I, I get like most people uh my dad uh you know he took me when i don't even remember when but uh he took me when i was four we we uh we lived in Maryland, right on the banks of the Potomac. I heard you talking about the Invitational that's going on down there, but the uh we we lived uh, at the back of Matawoman Creek, nearby the back of Matawoman Creek, and I never forget. We we used to go in the springtime. Uh, the yellow perch would come running up that creek, and we'd be out there in March, and you know just with a little spinning rod and a, and an earthworm, we'd dig the worms in the backyard, and we'd go down there and. And just catch yellow perch. We wouldn't even eat. We just caught them, and uh, and just had a blast. But uh, you know, ever since then, it's just been uh, it's been lifelong passion. It, it took me a lot of years to discover bass. Like we we just fished for whatever, you know. Like a lot of people that get started, and um, it wasn't until probably ten years later that I that I caught my first bass by accident on a floating Rapala minnow, like right it's everybody's first <laughs> first crankbait everybody's first artificial and it was for me too i just was twitching it on the surface and i caught a two and a half pound bass i thought i struck gold and uh i, I remember that fish like i was yesterday i was running down the banks just trying to tell everybody i could find that i just caught this fish you know uh, and I, awesome. I knew i knew i had a problem i think everybody else around me knew i had a problem right from from that moment <laughs> is this kid okay <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, oh, that's pretty good. I was de- yeah, man. definitely not okay, but uh, but yeah, thank you, Dad. Uh, and my dad is eighty-five. Check this out. He, um, him and my mother, uh, tomorrow, uh, celebrate their sixty-fifth wedding anniversary. Oh, that's Holy amazing! Boy. Congrats to them. Yes, that's huge. It's amazing. That that is that is absolutely amazing, and uh, proud of them. They're still walking every day. Um, hard to get Dad out fishing these days, but. I keep trying, you know, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'll get them out fishing one day this summer. That'd be awesome, man! Heck yeah! At least before uh, the old Chesapeake, from what I hear, becomes like catch one fish a week type of deal. Yeah, well, I tell you, <laughs> the you know, we've been you know talking, Bailey, and some lakes are on the uptick, and I, I think the Chesapeake's kind of it might be plateauing a little bit, or maybe even on a downturn. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, no, I mean nothing dramatic. You still go out there and catch twenty pounds if you 
if you can get around them. But, um, you know, we heck two years ago at the Ike Foundation, we had like 20 or 30 stringers over 20 pounds uh, in that tournament this year. I think we had two or three 20 oh, pounds mm. yeah so that's tightening up just a little bit but that's the way it goes you know i mean lakes lakes go up and down all the time and and when it goes down it, it's just a matter of time till it comes back strong what do you what do you think uh is a big factor of that swing for the chesapeake or a tidal fishery what what does it take for those fisheries to come back up if that makes sense yeah, you know, I just think this kind of stuff goes on in our fisheries for for a millennium. You know, it's like, you know, the something might change. Maybe, maybe not. Doesn't even have to change. Bait fish populations can swell, and then the predators swell to match, and then they eat up the bait. The bait becomes a little scarce, and the predators take a downturn a little bit. And it's it's not real dramatic. Like they disappear. You just might, you know. Uh, you know, instead of catching 20 or 30 fish in a day, maybe you catch 15 now for a few years and, and, and then it starts coming back, uh, on, on places like the Chesapeake, um, there's a couple things and, uh, and, you know, one of which I blame you guys for, um, <laughs> that, that Susquehanna river, we would appreciate it if you would hold the water back a little bit for us. <laughs> New York state and Pennsylvania, because uh, what happens is in the springtime with the snowmelt and then the spring rains come and it, it man, it dumps, um, I mean, millions and millions of gallons of water that come down uh, through the Conowingo Dam, which uh, is at the top of the bay. And, and when that, when you get those spring floods, I mean, the fish, it almost always happens when the fish are wide open in the middle of the spawn and it'll be in May and the floodgates open and it just washes the eggs away and it, it wipes out grass beds and, um, and it just, you know, kind of, it kind of socks it to them, hmm. but it's not a big thing. Like, you know, I, I know that it's okay to not have a good spawn. It's actually beneficial to, a, to fisheries. If you have a year or two without a good spawn, because it allows the predators to get bigger, the ones that, you know, are there, there's not as much competition for food and it can be a good thing. But, but I think moreover on the Chesapeake, what the big, the spawn isn't the big thing to, in my opinion, it's about the, the grass. It'll, it'll wipe out acres of grass and the habitat will disappear and, you know, make it a little bit tougher on the, on the predators. And, um, you know, and then, then you have years where it's a dry spring and, you know, they have these blistering spawns and the bait fish all inhabits the grass. I just think it's an ebb and flow. I've seen it so many times at so many, you know, cause I'm a hundred years old now. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen, um, my gosh, on the Chesapeake, if we keep talking about that, I, I fished a tournament there 30 years ago and, uh, I had seven pounds and was in the top five in that event. And now, oh my gosh, I mean, you, you gotta be sniffing 20 pounds to even, you know, get close to a check. So it, it, it has suffered and it, and it comes and goes and it's in a little bit of a downturn and, um, but that's all right. You know, it's, it's too healthy of a fishery, uh, to hold it back. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. I mean, we've seen it up here too, with like Oneida and such, mm -hmm. they go through fish kills and everyone's like, Oh God, it's the end of the world. But 
you know, we were at Oneida two weeks ago and it was as healthy as can be, at least right now. It's probably not where it used to be, but it'll, it'll get back. But yeah, it, you know, it, it will. I, I believe that. I believe it, it all, it all just comes back. There's so much thing, you know, talking about tournament pressure and, and weighing fishing and, you know, it's such a minimal impact uh, on a fishery. I, I think it's more environmental causes that, that can turn a place on. And, and, and I just think it's natural. You know, it's natural for populations to go up and down, except for Buffalo, which always has a million smallmouth yeah. forever. Yeah. A million smallmouth and, and many guides complaining about their days in the water. <laughs> there, there might just be a couple million smallmouth right now where I'm fishing. It's silly. That's and yet that you still you see your complaint still. I am, I am complaining, <laughs> and it, it's mostly because I'm tired. But <laughs> I mean, too many now. That's yeah. crazy. But let me ask you this: when that when the wind does blow, you're out, you're you're working and guiding out of Buffalo. Um, man, it's there's no place to go when the wind blows, is there? Uh, this time of year, we can kind of hide a little bit behind like the break walls and stuff because there's still some fish behind the walls, but like. Yep. Come July, August, September, October, November, there's nowhere to hide. Nowhere. So you're you're getting your teeth kicked in. But it's been a weird year. Like we've had the most north and east winds that I can ever remember. Like normally our predominant wind is southwest. And even when it blows, it's blowing north or northeast. So we can still get out there in like a twenty five mile an hour wind if we're only dealing with one to three foot waves. So it's not terrible. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love fishing there. First uh, tournament, we had a Bassmaster there um, a while ago now. And I, I thought, man, I, I let me go check this place out. And I happened to hit it on a day where it was calm. And in uh, in the pre-spawn, or we're right around now, but caught 100 bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, never, never saw the place in my life and went out and caught 100 bass that day. And uh, I just, I could not believe it. It was, I'll remember that forever. It's you know, I think it's still that good, even yeah. even right. Now. It's not like it's much tougher now to get a hundred fish because there's a lot more pressure than there was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But I mean, our average size of fish through the second week of May was like four and three quarters. Bailey caught an almost seven pounder on my boat. Um, and now I'm starting to creep back up into like that four and a half pound range in the pre in the post spawn. So mm-hmm. it's um it's quite a it's quite the incredible fishery. I hope a lot of people take care of it and really take like fish care measures to really protect these fish because I've actually had to scoop fish off the surface and fizz them because they're just out there floating around and hoping they survive. So it's yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a healthy fishery and it's got an abundance of nutrients and I know the gobies are there, mm-hmm. so I think I think you know you've got a lot of good years to come, obviously. And uh, and then yeah, New York is just insane right now. I mean, with with what we saw at Cayuga with that nine pack. Now you guys know this because I we had, we were on our podcast and we didn't know the answer to this. I maybe you guys do like the 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 eight pounder that was caught there last year was was the New York State record, and then on Lake Erie a ten pounder was caught mm-hmm. Ohio Ohio. Ohio. But it was technically on the Canadian side, so it qualified for the Ontario record. Okay. Yeah. So so that pounder was the New York state record until the the nine pounder was caught. 
but it's still eight and a half. It's not state record though, because he didn't classify it. He didn't want to. Yeah, he just uh-huh. let it go. Yeah. That's, that's so who knows what the reason was, but um, I'm hoping it was in spirits of fish care, get it back ASAP so that it could be a 10 next year type of deal. But uh, apparently it's supposed to be the same fish, same bed, same exact place. Pretty yep. freaking cool. Yep. Is that Jeffrey Hippert? I it, it is. That is my buddy, Jeff Hippert. He lives about five <laughs> minutes from me. So <laughs> we'll be oh. out on Erie tomorrow next to each other having a time. Oh, man, I, I bet. I miss Jeff. Jeff traveled with me and Ike for uh, quite a few years, you know, fishing basketball tournaments. And, uh, you know, Joe Sancho and, uh, you know, from Jersey. Just uh, it's awesome. I know I know Jeff's up there, you know, working the lake. It's it's incredible. Miss you, Jeff. <laughs> we got some dirt on you, you bud. <laughs> Jeff's told us all the stories. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> goodness, I'm sealed away in a room where my where nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> this is also streaming on Bass U, by the way, so everyone can hear the <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, to, to kind of dive into the premise of what we wanted to get you on today for, I know we have a few things we want to get to uh, in today's show. Um, but talking about, you know, especially tidal fishers, but just in general, fish that are on bed and then following them into their summer patterns because there's a, a transition that falls on there. And there's, there's certainly times we don't have to get into today that, you know, fish move up and people see that they're spawning already. And then they pull off and they're like, oh, the spawn's done. But even though there's several waves, but uh, towards the end of that spawn, when there's maybe a few left, you know, fry guarding, most of them are starting to go to their summer patterns. Um, what are the kind of the signs that you're seeing that spawn being done for one? And then two, once you, when you realize that on the water, what's your next move? Yeah, that's uh, I well, it's, it, it's a complex question because we could talk about it on like, you know, Southern reservoirs, Tennessee river places, uh, to, to working up North. And I could, I could do it briefly like that, but, but I can tell you one of, one of the coolest experiences I had was down at Lake Eufaula in Southern Alabama, uh, preparing for one of one of the Bassmaster tournaments. I was there during the spawn and, and the fish were just crawling all over the banks. And, and I came back was a 30 day off limits. And I thought, wow, well, there's, there's, you know, I'm just going to kick around in some of these backwaters and, and catch some fish. It's going to be a few got fry, fry garters or whatever left around. And you, I went back into those places and it was gone. I mean, gone. Like the fish did not stop anywhere. They went immediately to the ledges. And, you know, we've heard about the, le- I didn't know about ledges back then, you know, and you know, but we've now we know, right? We we we've seen it all on on the Bassmasters and MLF, and uh, and that's really what they do because the the post spawn is really about food, right? It's a food source. They've spent uh, a lot of time working, and their their nutrients are depleted, and and they're you know they're starting to get their appetite back, and. So they're going to go to the easiest course of action that they can find in whatever body of water you're dealing with. And in those bodies of water, uh, like down there and on the Tennessee river and such, it's, it's, it's out there on the channels, on the river channels where the, the current comes through 
and the schools of shad, the, the, you know, the yellow tails and, and the, and the, well, they're the thread fins and the gizzard chat. They're mm-hmm. going to be out there just trying to, trying to wolf those meals and, and, and start feeding up again on those bodies of water. Um, and it's painfully obvious because the fish just evacuate, you know, you will see if you're a, a you know, weekend angler tournament guy, especially and you're, you're in a backwater and you're seeing a lot of fry garters. Uh, they're usually the smaller males and they're the, usually at the, the, the least amount of weight they're going to weigh, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not really a good strategy mm-hmm. to, to get after those. Uh, you, you want to get to where they're going to. If, if at all possible. And that's wherever the food source is. And as we get up, as we move up, you know, from, from the reservoir, we talk about like, uh, you know, where they were. Um, at, well, this happens in a, in a lot of places, like the tidal, anything off the Chesapeake, a lot of, uh, um, a lot of, you know, tidal water stuff, but the, uh, when the fish will spawn and at the conclusion of their spawn, it's like mother nature just had it dialed. Uh, they'll, the, the carp will usually start invading, as will the bluegill, into mm. the flats where the bass were spawning. And, and the, there's, so it's two kind of different things going on. Number one, the carp are like, if you, man, I, we got, I got to put some video up on our Bass U social pages when the carp going. It, you, you have like thousands of pounds of carp just rolling and mauling each other through oh, the yeah. Oh, they, they make the water so dirty. They they do. They make it. They make the water dirty, but in a in a, a water way that has a lot of current, it flushes right out. But what the the most important thing for the food chain is they're dumping buckets and buckets of eggs, and and these eggs are scattered and they they adhere to the grass stalks or whatever's available wherever they're doing it, and it pulls the bait in. Like crazy, like the the bluegills, the yellow perch, the white perch, the baby catfish will all come in and start grazing on all these, you know, eggs. I mean, it's pure protein. It's a superfood for them. And the and then when the eggs hatch, the fry are there. So they they wolf on them. So you've got a the carp spawn for a month for a month. And the the, the eggs are there and then the babies hatch and, and you got you got a month or more of it of them drawing the whole food chain toward them so that that will keep like even down south that will keep those fish from going to the ledges or it'll keep them from doing other things because of that massive food source that's being created here um so we'll see that other thing that that and and this was the first time i saw this on the potomac was this mlf where uh a, a winner targeted the bluegill spawn like we you know a lot has to happen in our waterways to be able to get after that because you can't really see that well there's always staying and in this instance you know he was in a water where the grass was very mature we've had a really good grass here down there and mm-hmm. a lot of places around so the grass is healthier a little further along this time of year than it normally is in some place makes the water clear right it's the the grass operates as a filter and he was able to identify, uh, you know, bluegill beds. And hmm. there's the bluegill spawn will get going, to, you know, like I said, about the same time. 
So what that does, that also keeps the, in particular, the bigger bass, right? Because it takes a bigger bass to eat a bluegill. Uh, you know, the two pounders can't eat them as good, you know? As, right. You know, you need a three or four pounder to be able to you get one of those big spawning bluegills. And he, you know, uh, brilliantly targeted that, you know, bluegill spawn. And you'll see that happen. Like, you'll see guys doing it. Um all through the reservoirs, every lake, the, the, in the post spawn, that, that identifying where the blue, and now you can see it with mega live mm-hmm. and mega 360. You can now see in, in stained water or deeper water, these bluegill colonies, and you can identify them like never before. Well, I can promise you, those are, those are places that the bass stalk in the post spawn and an angler needs to stalk them too. Uh, as the Potomac River was one that way. It was just amazing. And the Potomac's so full of fish, it's crazy. It went through a downturn. We were talking about cycles, and it's coming. It's on an uptick right now. And hmm. uh, to watch it, watch him just, you know, spot lock or, or pull down and, and just cast to the same bed of bluegills and just catch fish after fish uh, is quite quite a sight to see but you'll see you know you can i do you can follow the bluegill spawn and target the bass doing that on every single body of water every type of body of water across the country Mm -hmm. and and that is an absolute post-spawn uh pattern that you want to definitely look for it's mother nature had it has it dialed you know it's Mm -hmm. it's like one goes then the next goes then the next goes and 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 the babies of one feed the, you know, the adolescence of another, and it just goes on and on. And and you just kind of have to follow the cycle. And and then as we get up, you know, to and you guys can, you know, probably have a lot more experience than me, but I, I've got a fair amount of dealing with uh with like the smallmouth in the post spawn. And you know, there there are times and and uh you know, you hear the post spawn funk, it can be tricky. And the fish are kind of, you know, they're beat up. They're, 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 in my opinion, they're kind of, they're making that transition in their little brain that they, they went from not thinking about eating at all to starting to eat. And, and it takes, it seems like it takes a little while and they get the first crawfish and it's over. They're, they're on, they got the feedback on, you know, <laughs> they, they get the first shad and, and they're back in, but you got to suffer through that little period of it but what i've seen uh is you start they once one starts turning into the feed zone then another one and then all of a sudden the whole lake's doing it and these smallmouth just they gang up uh they can really team up especially if you have like if if perch are like the dominant forage bait fish are the dominant forage that they're working with they'll really gang up on those suckers and uh and you'll go from the spawn where, you know, it's all soft plastics, right? Targeting the beds and that kind of stuff to everything in your tackle box is, mm-hmm. is a possibility from a jerk bait, top water, uh, drop shot, you know, you name it, it, it can be, it can be anything. And it's just, it's a super fun time of year. Um, you know, now go be post spawn fish. Uh, it's kind of tricky. And, and I know, um, uh, there's also something that has that has really confounded me uh, up up on the smallies is that darn mayfly hatch. Mm. That, That'll mess things up. I am waiting for that to start. It, it hasn't started yet here in Buffalo. I am like 
waiting because I get a week period where I can catch them on top water, and it just hasn't happened yet. The water's still too cold. Well, it's crazy though when you see different mayfly hatches where if you have one that's like smaller, not as insane, it seems like you can catch a lot more fish. Where like last year, Oneida had a mayfly hatch that like made it really hard to catch him. Yeah, because there was like mats, like you could punch mats of mayflies. It was so bad, like it was on forever. And you just see big smallmouth coming up and just slurping them on top, and you couldn't. If you were a fly angler, you were having a heyday probably. But like, <laughs> if if not, I mean, there wasn't a way to catch him. I, I've I've seen that too, and you know we've gone down to like microscopic baits is you know micro baits and trying to catch them that way. And uh, you just see you can see the sheens, you know the the just acres and acres of these slicks of mayfly um, carcasses or shells or whatever they are, yeah. and. And I've been out there. I've been out. You're like, I know it's Lake Erie. I know there's a million fish around, but oh man, I just I can't catch them right now. Um, the gobies, I feel like though, P have changed that because there's a, a class of fish still that's now because of the gobies that are look at the mayflies and they're like, yeah, I could swim 20 feet up there, but I also have this chicken nugget that's swimming right in front of my face, so I'm gonna stay down here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. They can just go and do whatever. They, and gobies have got to, they've got to minimize that post spawn funk too, right? Because they can efficiently get right back to feeding. And and honestly, I I've kind of noticed where uh, on the beds the smallies are actually feeding at times because the gobies are trying to storm the beds all the time. And instead of just kind of chasing them off, uh, you know, they 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 have a you know somewhat tendency to eat them in the process. You know, yeah. why wouldn't they like because if they spit it out and move it, it's just going to keep coming back. So it's probably just their natural progression of defending their nest. They're like, well, I don't want to eat, but I'll eat this. It's like a yeah. fat kid at 10 o'clock at night, right? When McDonald's like he probably shouldn't eat it, but he's going to. So the right. McDonald's Big Mac is a goby to a smallmouth, I suppose. Yeah, to me, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so. I, here's a question for you, Pete, that I'm really curious about with tidal fisheries is, and I, I've never fished a tidal fishery before. Um, I, I've been wanting to come down and fish the Potomac um, and watching Nick Hatfield absolutely mess him up has given me more inspiration to come down and trial it. But uh, from like a, a being at the, the title obviously comes up, comes down water moves in water moves out like what kind of areas do these fish even look for when it comes to spawn to feel comfortable to go up and do the deed that's that's a great question and it it kind of uh you know i think about like one of the things we look for is like where the current is knocked down a little bit and which is odd because you know up at thousand islands you know on the on the saint lawrence the river's running at like what three miles an hour and they'll they'll put beds right down in in the middle of the river, you know. So it's it's kind of, it's it's so unusual. But uh, but in on on most current based situations, you're you know anywhere whether it's a reservoir or anything, you're gonna you're gonna look for where the current is less. It doesn't have to be gone. Like it doesn't have to be all the way in the back of a place. It can be just where the current's knocked down a little bit is where they're gonna try to go. Um, and 
it's bottom consistency is going to be key. You know, it's, it's got to have some type of hard bottom. I know when one of the big things that the fish love to do uh, in, in areas like off the Chesapeake is that milfoil grass is so important to them. Mm-hmm. It, um, it not only grows where the bottom is, is right for the spawn, but it grows in, in current, but like right on the edges of the hard current. And as the milfoil matures, it knocks down the current even one step further as it peaks out and tops out. So you have this wonderful uh, area that, that offers protection for the bass, you know, like walls for them that they don't have to defend. It has holes and pockets that allow sunlight to penetrate. Got uh, You have to have sun in order to have an effective spawn. So they've got to have enough sunlight penetration, but they, the milfoil is, is, is a huge deal. Uh, knocking down the current, offering protection. And, and I think the fish really like to spawn around it too, because in preparation for the post spawn, like when they're fry hatches, there's no safer place than, you know, in those little fingers of the milfoil grass to hide. Uh, so, so what I found in, in a lot of the bodies of water that are, that are close to me is they'll wait. The water temperature can be sometimes in the seventies and they'll wait. They'll just wait. They'll wait for that grass to mature mm-hmm. and they won't, they won't pull the trigger on a hard spawn a lot of times until that grass is is almost mature um you know so so that's what they look for generally speak crazy yeah but you can find them in a lot of places one of the places that a lot of the uh rivers and that fish and you guys know this right from the from the great lakes is they love to spawn in industrial type habitat uh, and <laughs> and you yeah. can attest to that. <laughs> yeah, I bet you can. And I, I don't have a lot of experience with it on the Great Lakes, but I know every other place that I go, they the a lot of times the industrial stuff is that like they might have built a cove off of the main current. So you have this, you know, man-made cove, spawning cove, and just giving it all up, Pete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you can take it one step further too at those man-made coves where they have to dock the freighters. One side is dug out super deep and they have super fast tapering contour lines. So that's where they stage when they pull in. And then there'll be a big flat that's like two to five foot deep and they'll just be littered with beds. So it's the perfect habitat. Yes. Well, I, I'm going to give you give up some sneaky stuff. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> the deeper stuff, right? Because I know exactly what you're talking about. We have it here too. Like the, the, the tapered stuff in the back or on the sides. You know, it's shallow and that and they're going to spawn there. But on the deeper vertical walls, a lot of times there'll be a timber that sticks out a little bit or that's right at the perfect depth or a little piece of the wall that's off or a little breakout section. And and they'll they will spawn on that stuff in 40 feet of water. Uh, you'll your boat will be sitting, but there's a little timber that comes out and they'll make their bed right there in, in you know, two feet down. And you can you can see them spawning on that stuff. I've seen them spawning on floating uh, wood, like you know, floating trees that have a branch that dips down a little bit. They'll they'll, <laughs> they'll put a bed there too. But smallmouth are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, the largemouth too. The yeah. absolute coolest 
bed that I've ever seen uh, happens right here on the Delaware River. That's that that real close to my house. That's my that would be my home body where I guess. And it has like a seven foot tide swing. So it's it's massive. Like if the first time you see it, you're you're like, oh, we're having a tsunami, you know, <laughs> it, it, it like it, it's so it's so dramatic. But there's a lot of industrial habitat, like I said, and there's this one wall I love. I just go back every year because the fish are there every year. But the wall goes down, at, let's say at high tide, it goes down to about three feet and and plateaus out a little bit. It's only like three or four feet wide, but it goes down three feet and plateaus out. And the fish will spawn on that where it plateaus out. Well, at low tide, that little wall is three feet out of the water. It's it's like it's the craziest thing you ever saw. But that little section of wall puddles water. In other words, the the nests and the eggs stay wet. With about two oh or three inches my gosh. on that thing. So, so you see the bass just up there flopping around trying to survive. <laughs> you that that's you know, you would think that, but here's what the bass do. The males they they stay on that nest that as the tide drops until the last minute, and then they they get off the edge and then they patrol the edge while the tide drops. And then they they just patrol and protect down there. And when the tide comes back in up and floods nests, they jump right back up on it. That's wild. Right? Neatest thing I've ever seen. That is that's super cool. Yep. They're One little thing, brains. They actually work a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh wow. one thing I'm learning year after year is that you do not have to be in two foot of water to find spawning largemouth. They will spawn as long as they have the clarity, they will spawn deep. Mm. I caught one in 16 foot spawning this past whoa. weekend. Whoa. Yeah. And I only knew it because I saw it in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it and it was, I went back to it uh, on tournament day. It was too windy. I couldn't see it, but I put live on there and it's a, it was basically a barrel out in 16 foot. And I look up and there's a big blob sitting on top and a little blob sitting on the side. And I knew it because the fish had like a weird scar on the top of its back. I saw it in practice looking down at it because the water is so crystal clear. Uh, and ended up catching it in the tournament uh, on Mega Live, fishing a spawner. It was there again. And I, I catch it, catch the male, catch the female, go right back down to there. I'm like, that is nuts. That That is crazy. And that's fishing that deep is so cool. Like I, I know they'll spawn that deep. I know smallies will spawn that mm-hmm. deep fishery. Um, I sometimes don't think it's, it's a successful spawn uh, because the water temperature down there might be in the fifties and the eggs can't hatch too well or, you know, but nonetheless, you know, I've seen them make beds that deep too, you know, especially in the, you know, you got the clear water of uh, Lake George, which uh, you guys may have fished a time or two. Uh, that's the deepest I've ever seen fish. You do anything, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they, they will get deep. They will, they will get down to a hundred feet. The smallies will get sometimes chasing that smell Mm -hmm. and and they will spawn super deep. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's it. That's interesting that they'll, they'll go that deep. I think in the early season, and if we're talking about the spawn, I, I think what happens is obviously the, the top, column or level of the water column heats first 
and the bass will come up and spawn dirt shallow earliest. And then as the water temperature warms, you'll see them spawn deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, as the season progresses. And I think we're going to see that on Lake Champlain uh, this week at the Toyota series, because I think, um, I think a lot of the early shallow spawners have, have come up and done their deal. And, and I think we're going to, we're going to see the flogger uh, play a big role in that event. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be like mid-lake too where all the deepest water is. I think you're right, honestly. I don't know. I haven't been there, but if I had to guess, I would guess those big main lake smallies are going to be the last ones to like clamor to get up to spawn, and they're probably doing that right now. Hmm. And you know, But the problem problem with that is like buffalo. You know, it's like trying to know where to hide. Know where to hide. You try to find a place out of the wind. It's not happening. Good luck to those guys. Yeah, (laughs) the flogger. It's a, it's an interesting one. It's it's funny watching some of the kayak folk for the Cayuga event this weekend. Gets getting into with floggers and everything. Yeah, and uh, I tried to bum one off of one of my buddies that has one, Uh, but I ended up. Listen to this. This is my. I've done it before, and it's worked. Uh, this is my my redneck flogger. It is a Lowe's bucket that I kicked the bottom out of, <laughs> and I saran wrap and duct tape the bottom, so it still works. Might have to reapply the saran wrap every day, but <laughs> that it <so> works. <laughs> do what you got to do, bud. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah how how does it how does that work? Like, are you are you able to see ten feet or fifteen feet with that contraption? I mean, it's not crystal clear, but it does the job. There you go. You know, it breaks up the surface, so it's you, yeah. If, you, if there's a bed down there, you're gonna see it. It's either that or I do what I used to do and just put goggles on, put my head in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. you. Know what? Uh, you, we, I'm I'm working with Aquaview a lot these days, and uh, you know that's um, you know a lot of I haven't I haven't fished a derby during the spawn, and I'm I'm excited to do it um you know to see the advantages of it i'm definitely going to be using it uh because at, at, I'm, I'm fishing that open up at thousand islands and yeah uh you know it, is it legal it, to do that in the open it is you can't do it in the tournament but you can do it at practice of course oh, you're, okay okay you're scaring me because now I'm, I'm like man i i'm not sure about the answer to your question it always used to be that like yeah you, you can't do it during the event, but you can do it at practice. And that's uh, what I thought you meant was like you're gonna fish a derby using that. I, I know it's legal for practice because I had to check on that too, just to make uh, sure. I the aqua view saves you so much time when you fish deep. Yep. It really does. I mean, like they're so curious. Like smallmouth in particular. Um though and, and here I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is another crazy story that I probably shouldn't because I'm planning on using this one, but uh it's okay all five people probably want to fish in the open that listen to this uh, well, yeah. we, we last couple of years i've been vacationing in thousand islands uh my son's birthday's in august and uh august is probably one of the harder months to fish up you know there and uh we uh you know but we love it we like it up there we love the you know the water and the you know we tube and, and do all that kind of stuff but the so we're out boating around and i'm fishing a, a point and uh the you know they're not biting and I, i'm not seeing them so i'm trying to cover water and uh um jake asked he said dad can i swim and i'm like yeah just you know jump off the back and you know they swim around i'll throw a float out and you know him and his boys will just they were playing so i'm i'm continuing to fish down the bank and 
they start jumping in then they're climbing up the ladder splashing cannonballing and you know before they started doing that you know my you know my hummingbird was just blank it was just nothing no fish and uh they started cannonballing my entire graph lit up like <laughs> smallmouth came from miles away to see what in the world was going on and and i started to i started to every drop bunk you know four pounder three pounder four pounder and uh and, and of course, after I caught one or two, the boys are just, they crawl right back in the boat, sopping wet and they grab a rod and they drop and they, they catch one. And, uh, and then, and then, the, and then the, the graph cleans up and the bites stop and they went away. So it's what you're jumping in again. Yeah. I'll say it's what you're saying is your Chesapeake pattern of jumping in the water was on purpose. <laughs> Clear very skilled in this area yeah that's right (laughs) i I think i remember you saying that it was either a bassy or a night live but i remember you telling the story i thought that was super intriguing and it made me think of uh rob matsura who does a lot of content he's he he has a he has like some summer cottage on the st lawrence and he swims with the smallmouth and he's amazed at how how many come swim to him like he'll go sit on a rock with a camera and they will come to them and they're like intrigued. They're like, never seen you down here before. Like, what are you? <laughs> are you food? Are you friend? Yeah. Are you enemy? <laughs> I don't think I can fit that in my mouth. That's too tall of a human, <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> well, that's what we see with the aqua view, right? You drop yeah. the aqua view down there and they just, it just pulls them out. It like, you'll be, you know, looking at a place and, and you don't see any on, on your side imaging or your, or your down imaging and, and you drift through with that, and all of a sudden, they start swimming out to see what in the world's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that camera can not only show you the size, uh, but it can show you fish that you didn't know were there, uh, which is, you know, that's a pretty important little thing to have, you know, if you want to try to catch a few fish during a derby. So what you're saying is you're gonna, are you going to purposely fall out during the St. Lawrence just to start making some ruckus? I can prom well the only pro- the only thing that might keep me in the boat is it's July and it's gonna be you know sixty degrees water temperature. You, know? yeah, you could do the uh the cat what is it the uh, what kind of catfish is it? They do the paddle thing where they start slapping the water. No- noodling? Uh, no, not noodling. That noodling's putting your hand in the hole. I know. Uh, yeah, that big slapping thing they hit. Yeah. yeah, I gotta get one of those. I mean, it might work. <laughs> it, it might work. I'm gonna give it a go. Yeah. You know, this goes against the theory of being quiet while on the boat. You might as well start like playing loud music, jumping up and down just to see what happens. Just, because... yeah, just your, your drop shot uh, weight is just a speaker. Like it's just. Yeah. <laughs> you guys I... feeling Tupac today? You're feeling some country. <laughs> like we're we're country bass up here. You, we... <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're not coming around for any of that nonsense. <laughs> that's funny. Who knows? I don't think we figured it out yet man but it's that experience it taught me that oh man i've there's there's something more to it you know because we know the hydro wave changes things and it can move fish and change their behaviors we you know the aqua view we've seen that uh you know you know throwing your 12 year old son in the lake that changes behaviors you know scuba diving with them changes it i don't know who knows we're gonna figure out we got a funny comment here from T1D Steve that says, Pete, just tell your co he has to take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. 
<laughs> just have them swim around the boat. Just do laps. Just do just laps. laps. <laughs> no gas money needed today, as long as you go swim every thirty minutes. <laughs> so what? What, Pete? What do I need for tomorrow? Ah, bring your swim trunks, your goggles. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? What? Change clothes. You'll be. You'll That's get. right. <laughs> I got the rest. In That's a great right. spirit. Because the water's going to be cold. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. It definitely. Uh, but I can't wait. I can't wait. I love fishing up north. I love it so much. And I don't get near enough time to do it. You know, and I'm so close. You know, like, I mean, my gosh, from a Cayuga, I'm five hours maybe. And uh, I only, you know, been up there a few times. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I love Thousand Islands. Champlain, of course, is, has always been my favorite. And, uh man I, I just love fishing up up there and this time of year is just man it's the best so it's beautiful one beautiful country but then two uh really dumb fish i love. <laughs> <laughs> love that place too man it is it is unreal i feel like it gets more pressure every year and it still just puts out it doesn't champlain. even matter champlain st lawrence like that whole yeah. region is yeah. just incredible there's so many small little Adirondack lakes there too that are amazing yeah. fisheries. I bet, I bet that I've never been, but I, I know I've been to Champlain on a Saturday in July, and I'm the only bass boat in the parking lot. And it's wild, right? You're like, wow, this is insane. I know I'm going to go out and smash them right now, and and I'm and I'm the only one doing it. You might see a a salmon boat or you know a lake trout boat out there, and and you see bass boats. You maybe see more bass boats than we used to see but uh it's still the pressure up there is is minimal yeah well that's a good segue because i think the one thing you're seeing more of and this is universal around the country uh i mean in our home state here in new york for andy and i we're seeing a lot more of it our our trails are getting bigger uh that's kayaks a lot lot more kayak anglers and i think one thing that was needed um, there's some, there's some decent kayak, you know, media outlets out there, but is it needed a, a foundation of educational content strictly geared towards kayak anglers? And that's something you guys started. Do you want to talk about that? Man, I'd love to, uh, we're proud of it and we're excited to be, you know, working in that space because it's, um, you know, there's so many people doing it. So many people love it. And it's a way that, uh, so many people can get access to the water. Uh, that they couldn't get it before, you know, um, you know, like it just be flat out on my boat costs a hundred thousand dollars and, you know, I tow it with a $50,000 truck and, you know, that's, that's a high price point, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're, you're maybe just getting out of college or high school or your family man and you want, you want to fish. So, so access is a, is a big deal. Uh, but the other part about it is it's just cool. It's a cool experience you know, to be able to get into backwaters, to be able to fish bodies of water in ways that only kayak anglers can do it. Uh, an experience that I can't have out of my bass boat, you know, mm-hmm. um, I try, you know, I burn up a lot of gel coat and lower units trying, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know, so we're, we're excited about it. You know, we've launched, uh, you know, kayak bass university where we're working with uh, Ryan Lambert and Jody queen and, um, Greg De Palma, Ike's doing some training for us, and many, many others. We're 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 taking on training uh, the Bass University style, where we you know we we work with the best kayak anglers um, 
around and, and we want them to be our teachers. We want those to be the influencers teaching people how to, how to fish and mm-hmm. how to catch them. And, uh, you know, so, so that launched, man, just a couple of weeks ago and, uh, it's just been great. We've gotten, uh, you know, we've, we, a lot of people that have been a part of Bash University for a long time have been kayak guys. They've been asking for the content and, uh, and that's great. And they love it and they're thrilled that we're doing it, but we have so much new, so many new people coming in now that are like, wow, this is great. You know, we, you know, we love that you guys are doing this and, and, uh, and I'm excited about that. And, and I want to give a, a, you know, big, you know, thank you to Yak Attack, uh, who we're working with right now. If you guys, if you guys are kayak guys, and I know Bailey, you love it too. And you're a super stud in the kayak world. Uh, <laughs> according to you and, uh, <laughs> according to me, whoa. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm going to see myself out on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but uh you so know <laughs> but we're we're thrilled to be uh you know we have a great uh, you know offer right now you so you go to bashu.tv backslash kayak and you get a you get a kayak bash university hat a tackle pack and a 50 dollar coupon to yak attack um to you know get whatever products you might want to rig out your kayak mm-hmm. so uh, that's going on right now. And, and we're just at the beginning of this, you know, we, uh, we start, we've been, we've been working on it for geez, a long time. Uh, and we've, we've finally been able to put all the content together and every Friday we release a new training course, uh, designed for kayak anglers. Um, one, one of the guys like Greg De Palma's, um, seminar on lipless crankbaits, uh, comes to mind because, you know, he fishes from the bass boat and from a kayak like Ike does. And there's different strategies, uh, to fish from a kayak. Uh, and he's modified the, the rod reel and line that he uses for that same technique that he uses out of his bass, boat. he uses a different set of, uh, you know, rods and reels and, and tackle because it's a different operation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're, you're, you're different you're, angles. You different angles, you're you're victimized by the wind and the current a lot harder out of a kayak. So you gotta you have to be able to make those baits do what you want them to do and apply pressure to the fish in a way uh that in, out of a kayak that is different from the from the way that maybe I do it out of my bass boat. So we're learning uh and we knew that this was gonna be the case. There's different strategies and techniques uh to be successful fishing that way. And and even talking to you just earlier. Uh, Bailey, like, you know, we were talking about you, you have an upcoming tournament and you're small mouth versus large mouth, yeah, small mouth versus large mouth. And it, and it's, uh, it's, it's an inches contest, right? So you, which species is going to give me the best opportunity to win? It's different. Uh, like for us, it's weight oriented. So those big fat blimps, uh, small <laughs> mouth, you doesn't know, doesn't matter if they're 18 inches. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They can be to 12 inches, but they weigh five pounds. Well, that's perfect. Oh, I, yeah. I want to see a 12 inch five pounder. All right. <laughs> I've seen a 16 four and a quarter, which is just ridiculous, but that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they, look, they look like big fat bluegills. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's just an air, it's a balloon with fins. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're excited. It's available right now. Uh, we have new releases every week. So guys, guys, if you're a kayak guy, man, go check it out. I just, I love that, that 
that people have access to it and they, they can compete at high level tournaments like you're doing Bailey and um, you know, they can take it that way or they can just enjoy it by, you know, being able to get, you know, get out on a weekend and, and do their thing. And it's uh, we're, we're, we're excited to be part of it. Like, yeah. So what I'll, what I'll do, Pete, um, I'll put it in the comments here, but also put it in the show notes for MP3 and YouTube. So if any of our kayak folk want to check it out, uh, you guys can go right down the show notes, click on that link uh, and get signed up. If you're not already signed up for the original Bass U as well, uh, this is just a great way to, uh, to get involved. Uh, the, the educational content is top notch. Now what's cool about this, I think for you guys, uh, is it opens you guys up to completely different educational categories that you haven't been able to touch upon before. I, I think so. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been a thrill. Uh, we've had to learn a few different things. Like we have to film it a little differently and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, but it, it, we were able to really deliver. We're really proud of it. Uh, of course we've got the best production team in the world. Uh, shout out to Jeff Olson um, from Northern lights who, who you met, you, you were hanging out with him this week. This Jeff past- is the, uh, the freaking man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, uh, Jeff had some funny uh, flight troubles and <laughs> it turned into a three and a half hour car ride, just me and Jeff. So we got to know each other pretty well. And, uh, <laughs> dude's a rock star. He is a rock star. He, he, they've won uh, so many Emmys with the work that they've done with ESPN. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're Jeff and I have been friends for uh, 30 years. We actually uh, filmed a TV show together like 30 years ago called Yankee Fishing. Of course, you probably know that now that you spent all that time in the, in the car with him. Pete, I know your life story now that I spent three <laughs> hours with Jeff. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Take it easy, man. He's a never-ending book is what you're saying on the Dean's story. Never ends. Never ends. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah that's dig, awesome. If you dig deep enough, you'll find some interesting stuff. But, <laughs> we're, uh, but we'll not- just have to get Jeff on here, and he'll tell us some interesting stories. <laughs> oh. Oh my lord! Getting him on a podcast, I I think I don't know. I might have to move. <laughs> I think that's I think that calls for an Ike live. Pete, you got to get Jeff down there. Oh, uh, I know it. I know it, you know he's got some really cool stories too because he's filmed so much around the pro athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so many of well, Jeff guys. and Jeff. You can get Hipper and Olson. Yeah, that would that would be a big deal. That'd be a fun surprise guest for Ike. Yeah. Well, I I think Jeff. I hope Jeff. Uh, maybe Jeff will come out. I, you know, I'm excited for uh, Ike's Hall of Fame um, induction, which is going to take place in, you know, a couple months. I guess uh, maybe Jeff will come down for that, and we can, uh, you know, have That'd some cool. kind of Ike Live event out there in uh, in Missouri or wherever the heck that thing is. <laughs> got to, got to, got to. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pete. Uh... One, super appreciate you taking the time out to drop uh, drop some knowledge and some nuggets on us. Uh, always, always appreciate it. Um, and two, super cool deal with the with the kayak bass. You, I know yeah. you have had a lot, like you said yourself, a lot of people people have been asking for it. But uh, I think it's been much needed, especially in the kayak side of the industry. Uh, and I'm excited to see what you guys are going to be putting forth here soon. But uh, Andy, you got anything else left for Pete before we hit him with the last question? Oh, let's just hit him with the last one because it's the best one. Uh-oh. All right. Uh-oh. All right. So, again, so we started the show uh, talking about throwing it back because you're new to the show. We also have a question that we like to sign off with uh, for everybody that's new. And so that is if you could select three different individuals 
have a steak and a beer, pick their brain. They don't have to be fishing industry. They could be alive a thousand years ago or be alive now. It doesn't matter. It could be anybody. Any three individuals, steak and a beer, who are you going to invite? Oh, man. That's a, that's a heavy question, man. Loaded. It, 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 it is. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, Man, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is the best part is the reaction. Like, I think the best part too me? is the the text we get afterwards. Like, damn, I should have said so and so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's a couple. There's a couple. I'm gonna. I, I, I'm automatically when you start asking me that question, I thought, oh, we're going in the fishing realm, you know, and uh, and I, I thought of who would I most like to do that with in in the fishing world and. And I, I, I just two two names popped into my well. There's really three. Roland Martin's one, but I've done that, and he's amazing, and I love Roland and uh, and and Scott and uh, and they're awesome. Uh, but one that I've I've never sat down with that that I have admired my whole career is is the general Larry Nixon. Um, oh, yeah, he's just he's accomplished so much. He's won so much. He has he's done it his way. And, you know, he's just a, he's a unique personality, an easy guy to, like, I know him casually. He's an easy guy to know. And uh, he, in the fishing industry, I think, um, I think he would be, he would be, you know, a big pick for me. Uh, Gosh, I don't know. Modern times, I'm a, I'm a Joe Rogan guy, man. Yes. He, uh, he's awesome. He's into MMA and. I wrestled when I was in high school and college and, uh, and I just, I, I, he's just, he's just so, he's so interesting, you know, he would be, yeah. uh, he would be a ball and I'm thinking historical. I have no idea who I'm going to say here. Um, you know, <laughs> I know who I'm going to say, cause I just used them today and I, and he's awesome. Is Ben Franklin is, I mean, I use the Benjamin Franklin decision-making process every day. Um, it, it's, it's simple. It's like when you, when you have to make a hard complex decision, you just simply take a piece of paper and you write the pros on one side and the cons on the other. And whichever is the bigger list, that's the way you go. Ah, you know, and so he, you, you have little pieces of paper on the water. Like when you go into spot, spot, do you just write your pros <laughs> and cons? I, I, you know, I probably do that on the water, but. <laughs> I do it in business constantly. And he's, he was brilliant guy, you know, quite the ladies man like myself. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, uh, there, there's, there you go. Gosh, what a weird, what a weird group of guys, man. That would be interesting. That'd be an intriguing trio. What would Ben Franklin do? That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I well, Pete, no appreciate no it, man. This has been, this has been a lot of fun. We'll definitely have to do it again. Yeah. Uh, keep up the great work over at Bass U. We're all fans, and I'm sure everyone else listening is fans. And if they're not, they need to be. But uh, seriously, appreciate the time. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon if you, do, if you uh, don't bail on me again. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. If you could guys could go back and edit out the jumping in the water part little. <laughs> that, that, that'd be awesome. But, no, nah, it's, it's awesome. Andy, it's great hanging out with you. Enjoyed it very much. Get, get some much-needed rest. I hope the wind blows tomorrow for you. <laughs> I'm going to record all the conversations with Jeff of all the juice he's going to spill on you tomorrow. 
No. <laughs> We're going to title this Pete Glusick Juice for Bassmaster Open. <laughs> Perfect. Because Jeff was always straight. You know, he would always be the guy that wouldn't get too deep into trouble. And, and uh, I'm a little concerned that maybe I wasn't that guy back then. So, uh, <laughs> very have some dirt that I don't want to think about, right? <laughs> That's uh, awesome. His secrets are safe with me if he wants yeah. to tell me. So, <laughs> hey, thanks so much, guys. Jeff, thank you, buddy. I hope to catch up with you out at the uh, Hall of Fame deal. Heck yeah. Well, Pete, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. We'll see you now. Have see you, Pete. Good that was good. Yes. I feel like that calls for like a, a roast Pete episode. Is he still on here in the queue? <laughs> oh, no, he's <laughs> not. That would be Let's a good go, one. I'll get a surprise text. roast Pete episode. Yeah, yeah, that needs to be an Ike Live though. That couldn't, yeah. live. that couldn't live here. But uh, now, nah, super cool how this industry inter- intertwines. Where we think fishing's this huge thing, and you know, fishing as a whole is big. You know, fishing as a whole is this, mm-hmm. and then bass fishing is this. And then tournament fishing is little tiny piece of it. And then kayak fishing is like this. Yeah, kayak fishing is like the size of bass's brains. <laughs> it's very tiny. But it's cool to watch it all come full circle. Like, you know, with, you know, our buddy Jeff Hippert, you know, traveling with Ike and, and all that. It's Ike and, and, and Pete. And it's it's cool how it all comes around full circle. But that was a really good show with Pete. Um, but to Andy, you got anything coming up that the folks need to know about? Mm. Not really, just more smallmouth trips, which I'm not complaining about. I just here we go. Complain to complain. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to get back on the water tomorrow morning. I've been leaving my house about 5 a.m. every day, and uh, yeah, we're probably gonna go catch another 50 to 80 fish tomorrow, and it's gonna be fun. You boo freaking who, Andy? <laughs> I think full disclosure. I think I'm literally going to uh, make sure this episode's all good to go. And I'm going to get in the truck and head to uh, KU, my campsite, right after this, tonight. Hey, drive safe. Yeah. We got an early morning. Got to go uh, figure out some some stuff. on the. Uh, it's nice that they're on what I like to call my home lake anyway. Spent the most time on, I think. Uh, but uh, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting this week. It really is because we got – I'm not going to dispose of any more information, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and then when you get back, we'll have to figure out some time in July to actually go fishing. Yeah, we do need to do that. We do need to do that. But uh, again, great episode with Pete. Um, What I'll say too is uh, my videos for Be the Fish, my personal YouTube channel, are finally coming back tomorrow. It's been a couple weeks of no videos; been way too dang busy. Uh, So, folks that are subscribed can uh, can look forward to that. But uh, we also. we forgot to ask Pete his top three post-spawn baits, like when they're in the post-spawn trying to figure out fish. So I will actually now throw that to you. Oh, I know what you're going to say, smallmouth. We know you're smallmouth. Okay. Largemouth-wise, like immediate post-spawn, three baits you're going to throw. Uh, honestly, like the first three things I always go to is a small popper because fry garters – I think there's something about a popper that really gets them. And that's one of the few times a year I'll actually throw a popping frog. So that's like number one, popper or popping frog. I love to cover water with a buzz bait. So it's another top water. And then a Senko, if it's Texas rig, wacky rig, and just targeting fry garters. 
And blue gill beds, you just can't beat it in the Northeast. Heck yeah. In my opinion. So yeah, we got a comment from Max Lee, Black Senko, Black Senko, Black Senko, and Black Senko. Yes. <laughs> yes. For Pete and Annie. And he's a big fan of that as well. Yeah. You you can't beat well any type of Senko, really, however you want to fish it, but honestly, like clear water, dirty water, you can't beat black. Mm-hmm. I think I have like 30 bags of black five inch Senkos. <laughs> so heck yeah. yeah well andy this was fun catching up um i don't know for sure guys if we're gonna have a friday episode this week we're gonna try to get one uploaded maybe andy will record while i'm out on the water one of the days um uh, we have our buddy david jong from english channel in the chat um asking what our favorite go-to lake is in new york uh, I, I told him 200 bucks and we'll tell him but uh there's hidden gems david yes but uh, you gotta cough it up. Hmm. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot. Honest, every lake in New York, throw a dart, and you'll, you'll, you'll yeah, catch some fish. They, they all set. Most of them set up similar, but they're all different in their own way. And almost all of them have big fish to be had. Yeah. David, I will tell you what I cast over a beer. If you can do that, I'll tell you. Uh, but uh, Andy, I'm gonna get going here. Uh, it's been fun. Maybe Try we'll do an episode while I'm on the water one of the days. If you, but I think you're guiding literally every day. I am. Uh, I might so. be able to squeeze something Thursday night. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, but buddy, always a pleasure. Uh, folks, appreciate y'all. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>